3: And welcome into to another edition of Rush Hour presented by Bed Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bed River Sportsbook on a Monday evening on v Sports Betting Network. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the biggest news in the NFL surrounding some of the top quarterbacks, specifically Aaron Rodgers and his potential return to the Green Bay Packers. Not that he departed, per se, but you know all the disagreements and grievances that were said to be had this offseason. So we'll take a look at what odds still currently are are put up right now at Bet Rivers. We'll get into that momentarily, as well as some Deshaun Watson news, the odds uh, in that division and around the Texans and whatnot. But furthermore, throughout the program, Pete Futek, collegefootballnews.com. Great work covering the sport. Always look at his previews heading into the upcoming season. So a pleasure to have him on in about 10 minutes to get a preview of the SEC with more news surrounding Oklahoma and Texas. We'll get his thoughts on that situation. The odds for the SEC and the Big Ten. See if he has any Heisman hopefuls as well. After that, we'll kind of look back into what we did on Friday. I know we talked about the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys, but I did end up placing an official bet on that, so just wanted to recap it in one of the shorter segments and give my play and everything. And speaking of the NFL, we'll go over some wide receiver props. A few that I like the under with, or rather a couple that I'm gravitating toward the under, and a couple that I think could be a good bet looking to the over, so we'll hit that. And then, of course, we'll go a little bit more present and talk some MLB tonight with Derek Cardi. He does great work doing a write-up pretty much every single day for Vison. also great work with Fantasy Baseball, with Roto-Grinders, ESPN, and much more. That's going to be in about 45 minutes. But as we said, let's start with some of the headlining news in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers apparently coming close to returning and agreeing on a deal with the Packers that virtually the story is would allow him to choose whatever team he wants to play for in 2022. You heard everything last week, and it was crazy because it seemed like it was getting to the point where, okay, maybe we were expecting him to retire this upcoming week. That was a new story that went out, too. And then Devontae Adams and him posted the same thing of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen fist bumping on Instagram, and it was just all very odd, right? I mean, it was peculiar. And now you're saying that, or seeing, rather, Adam Schefter saying that this new agreement, once finalized, would help set up Roger's departure from after this upcoming season, like I was kind of just alluding to and they're offering concessions and they're close to an agreement for at least this season and then you know it's got to be Jordan Love from here on out. So we'll see what the Packers are able to do. Currently their odds to win the Super Bowl are 13 to 1. To win the NFC is 6 to 1. Aaron Rodgers for MVP plus 650. And then just more Packers odds really because you're limited since we didn't know what was going to be happening. Matt LaFleur for coach of the year is at 25 to 1 if you think he has a good chance of winning that this season. But look, I mean, you heard from both sides it was either, one, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I mean, we talked about that with Jeff Schwartz when he came on the program maybe a couple weeks ago at this point. He was like, no doubt, Aaron Rodgers is coming back to play. But then you see stuff in the news where it's like, okay, well, it's either Aaron Rodgers is playing somewhere else or he's just going to sit out and wait till he's on another team. So, look, it's been so tough to judge what is going to happen, and now it seems like we're finally getting trustworthy sources out of this and that he is going to be playing. Is that shocking? No. As a Bears fan, am I happy? Not necessarily. But now at least we can better assume what's going to happen when we're trying to bet these season win totals in these divisions because every season win total we've gone over when they're playing the Packers, you know, personally, I put a question mark there because it's like, okay, this could be a winnable game, but it depends who's that quarterback. And same thing when it comes to handicapping the NFC North. The Vikings are kind of that team that everybody was looking for with value. But if Aaron Rodgers is still in the division, it is the Green Bay Packers division to lose. And they were still the favorite. Could have got better value. But once it's official and if it's official that he's coming back, you know those odds are going to skyrocket a tad bit in favor of the Chiefs. So that's the news in terms of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Really quick then with Deshaun Watson, just the news obviously. You know, everything surrounding his allegations. We won't get too much into that. But more people have been brought about apparently in terms of Deshaun Watson. And now you're hearing also the Texans have been looking for potential teams to trade him to. And what they're asking right now, Chris Mortensen was tweeting this out, but combination of five high draft picks and starting caliber players per two league executives. So, again, you know, naturally you're going to get a tough or a tall ask for a guy like Deshaun Watson, but now you have to consider all the baggage that's surrounding Watson as well. So we'll see what happens with Watson. We don't even know if he's going to play this season, so I doubt everybody's going to be rushing to try to acquire Watson as of this point. Obviously, as we know, to the Texans, uh, worse odds when it comes to the AFC South, 28-1 to in the shortest win total at 4.5, shaded to the under at about minus 167. To make the playoffs, yes, plus 575, and the no is minus 1250 for the Houston Texans looking into this upcoming year. Once again, the show is Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Doing it live out of the BetRivers River Sportsbook, per usual, on a Monday evening. We're just talking some NFL news with the quarterbacks revolving around the Texans, shopping Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, potentially coming back to the Green Bay Packers or ready to suit up for this upcoming season, rather. So those odds, for the most part, have been taken down, but we are still dishing them out for the ones that we had. The Packers to win the whole thing, 13-1, to come out of the NFC. Six to one. Rodgers for MVP plus six fifty. Lafleur, Coach of the Year at about twenty five to one. But again, that's what we heard coming out of the NFL today. We'll see if those moving parts are going to be constant this upcoming week, as it was kind of alluded to with some of these reports. But keep an eye out to see what happens with the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and much more. As for the rest of the show, in a few moments, we'll welcome on Pete Futak at collegefootballnews.com. We'll get a preview of the SEC. This upcoming season, as well as the Big Ten, and if we have some time, we'll see if he has any top Heisman candidates that he thinks could be worth to put a pretty penny on for the upcoming college football season. I'm going to kind of revisit then after, Pete, we're going to talk NFL more so with a play that I have with the Washington football team. We did a slight preview of the NFC East on Friday, so just want to revisit that. Then we'll look over some wide receiver props for the upcoming year, about four players that I want to get into specifically as receivers that I think could have some intriguing angles based on the roster next to them, what happened in the offseason and the schedule they have to look forward to. And then, naturally, we'll talk about today's MLB slate with Derek Carty as well. Great contributions MLB-wise with Beeson, ESPN, Roto Grinders, and much more. He's been on plenty of times, gives great insight on the diamonds. so we'll talk about that with Derek toward the end of the show in about 45 minutes. But before we bring out Pete here, let's just kind of tee up a little bit how this SEC is shaping out. Now, we'll get to the news, of course, about Texas and OU not renewing their Big 12 media rights for 2025. We'll get his thoughts on that, and if there's some legit momentum going in that direction in his eyes. But currently, as the SEC odds stand up among each other, Bama the favorite, minus 162 is what you lay. If you think they win the SEC, Georgia, who Amal Shaw, co-host of the Nuts, we had on. He's very high on the Bulldogs this season, and rightfully so. Got a great team coming back on both sides of the ball. JT Daniels, starting quarterback, the USC transfer. He's got Georgia at 2-1 to be the champs in the SEC. Then you get Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher and company having some new parts offensively. Defense should still be solid. You're seeing the Aggies here at about 12-1. We'll see what they can do after impressive outing this past season. LSU, 14-1. They're coming off a disappointing 5-5 five and five season this past year. Maybe some quarterback controversy as well. Will it be Miles Brennan again, or can Max Johnson take the place for this offense that obviously took a huge backseat after their championship in 2019? Florida, another team that lost some big parts, losing Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, and Kadarius Toney. They are 16-1 are the Gators to win the SEC Conference. Auburn with the new head coach, Brian Harson. He is 25-1 with his squad to win the SEC Old Miss 28 to 1. Mizzou also 28 to 1. Then you're getting Kentucky at about 40 to 1. list goes on and on with the lower tier teams Arkansas, Mississippi State, Tennessee. All three of those squads are about 100 to 1 to win the SEC. South Carolina 150 to 1. And then the low squad that is Vanderbilt, they're at 500 to 1 to win the SEC. Now, again, you know, the easy answer is always Bama to win this award, right? I mean, they're so dominant and they're going to be this season. Again, you get Bryce Young as their new Q- uh, QB, but again, can Georgia give them a chance to really just make it tough for them this season? And would it, even if you still have higher hopes on Alabama, is it worth to lay the minus 162? Let's get into that a little bit further now. We welcome on Pete Futak at collegefootballnews.com. At Pete Futak is where you can follow him along on Twitter. Pete, we're very excited to talk some college football with you. We're getting close to the season here, my friend, so we appreciate you taking some time. Before we get into these exact odds in the SEC, and we'll talk a little Big Ten as well, what's been your thoughts on this whole Oklahoma-Texas debacle? The news coming out today, they're not renewing their Big 12 media rights. What can we expect to happen from these two schools in the upcoming years?
4: Uh, it's going to be certainly interesting. I mean, it, it's at the very least they, they've said they want something different. And the, let's start with the fact that Oklahoma and Texas are in cahoots, if I can use that word, on something which, in and of itself, is kind of crazy, considering how much everybody around there hates Texas, and that includes Oklahoma. And as we're finding out more and more. Texas a and really, really hates Texas because it won't have nothing to do with being in the same conference as the Longhorns. So that's part one. the The not renewing the media rights is, is a little like Aaron Rodgers saying, "I'm not going back." I mean, they're, they're kind of. You could take it a couple ways. Either one, they're leaving their options open because they really are going to leave for the SEC, or they're angling for a better deal, or they just want something to be blown up and start over. I mean, so there are a whole bunch of ways they can go with this. It's not a hundred percent that it's all about just, okay, we're leaving for the sec. So we're, we're bailing on these rights. But the, the harsh reality is that the big 12 has, you know, the fourth best media deal out of the power five conferences. And there's a whole lot of money to be made if they go off to the sec or Let's see what happens if, you know, I, I still think somehow the Big Ten and the Pac 12 are going to have a say in something, uh, but certainly this just made uh, the whole business side of college sports, uh, they took it to an entirely uh, new level here.
3: Indeed it did. It's going to be a whirlwind. So we'll keep our eyes peeled to see what happens with those two squads. But you're right. I mean, just because they didn't renew it doesn't mean everything's put in motion. It's kind of, and it's a great comparison with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Sometimes it's just hearsay you want to get a better deal. So who knows what's going to happen in the upcoming months, years, whatever it may be. But it's just sparked our conversation wanting to get even started earlier on previewing these conferences. So let's go ahead and do that, Pete. Let's start with the aforementioned SEC. And again, Bama is the favorite, naturally. They're minus 162. Bryce Young coming in as quarterback. You're bringing in Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator. What can we expect out of this Crimson Tide team? I mean, again, look, they're minus 162. But are you rushing to lay that price considering a team like Georgia could be competing and just as dominant this
4: season? Yeah, it's kind of hard to get too excited about that. And you know, look, you know, it's here's going to be the X factor in all this, and we'll see obviously how it plays out. If I'm kind of right, but the part of the problem on this season with loving the favorites is is one side is that you look at their schedules and you're saying, how are they going to lose two games? You know, like look at Ohio State's schedule, look at Oklahoma's schedule, now look at Clemson's schedule after they start out with Georgia, and the same goes for Alabama. The problem with the Alabama schedule and the problem for all these teams is it's the year of the super senior. So you look at a team like Ole Miss and no, you know, Lane Kiffin's team is not going to win the SEC. It's not going to win the SEC West, but they get like 21 starters back. You know, so that defense, while it was awful last year, is going to be a whole lot more experienced. And the, the offense is going to be just an absolute killer. So you're going to have game after game, where an Alabama, as good as it might be, is going to go up against bunch of twenty-three-year-old grown men, you know. So it's it's not going to be just an easy ride through these conferences for these teams. So, but on the flip side of it, you're right. There's Georgia and there's Alabama. I mean, LSU is going to be better. Texas A&M, if it finds a quarterback, it gets everybody else back. Uh, so and they get uh, Alabama in College Station. Uh, So I'm not too excited about that 165, obviously the favorite to win the conference again because of the defense this time, not just the offense. Uh, But, no, if I had to, the better value is probably with Texas A&M.
3: Yeah, and Texas A&M, again, we're seeing them at 12-1, to and you're right. I mean, they're bringing back virtually everybody that made them such a great squad this past season, especially defensively. It's just who's going to be quarterback for the Aggies. Jimbo Fisher finally turning things around. Decent value, 12-1 to with Texas A&M. You mentioned LSU. They're at 14-1. Now they're coming off that disappointing effort last year, five and five. They need to get their offense back in the mix, and you know certainly they have Miles Brennan there. But is there a chance that we could see Max Johnson maybe stepping under helm if things don't get put into place and we don't see that offense? Uh, You know, replicating what they did in 2019, that was kind of an anomaly. It was amazing, but you know if they're not going in the right direction, could we see a switch up
4: at quarterback? Sure. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be a little bit of a regression to the mean. I mean, they, you know, the 2019 was an outlier, uh, 2020 was a rebuilding year and an outlier for more reasons than, you know, just having to rebuild the team with the obvious pandemic issues. Uh, and now it's, you're going to have more of the the norm for like a nine and three ish kind of team, not to win the FCC. I mean, you're talking about your third different coordinator in three years. So, uh, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of turnover at LSU. A lot of different parts that have left through the transfer portal, uh, but it's still, they've still recruited great. I mean, they're still as talented as just about everyone. Uh, but again, if you look through the SEC West this year and you're LSU, of course, LSU is really good, but Auburn's still okay. You know, Ole Miss, again, is going to be fantastic. Mississippi State, that offense is finally going to start to work at least a little bit better. So that conference and that division specifically, that's just way hard for an LSU to get to and win, much trust go off to win the SEC, unless something really crazy starts to happen here. All
3: right, Pete, before we move on to the Big Ten, is there any team that's more so a dark horse in the SEC or rather a squad that you can look at to bet – on a game to game basis, maybe they'll be undervalued to start the season that you think could make some noise that really not a lot of
4: people are talking about at this point? Yeah, I already went through Ole Miss. I mean, just because, again, that offense, as yeah, great as Devontae Smith was last year, uh, you know, that the receivers on Ole Miss, you know, Elijah Moore is gone, uh, but everyone else is back. But Elijah Moore had better numbers. Uh, for the first like eight games of the season that Devontae Smith had. And again, that offense is just gonna be uh, just devastating. It's gonna hang 500 yards a game up without even blinking. Uh, on the other side, It may, I think we might be not paying much attention to Florida. Uh, remember, they were, they were good enough to at least be, if, if, they, if they pulled it off against Alabama in the SEC championship game last year, uh, we would have been talking about them as a possible college football playoff team. Uh, they're undervalued because you lose Kyle Trask, you lose all the receivers, you lose Kyle Pitts. But that's still a very, very talented team, and that is a a, a situation where you're replacing uh, some great talents with more great talents, and it's not an absolute lock that Georgia is winning that East, even though uh, it is by far the favorite to win it.
3: All right, Pete, let's flip it over to the Big Ten now. It looks like it's Ohio State's conference to lose, as a lot of times it typically is, and the odds indicate that. They're minus 200 to win the Big Ten conference. Next closest team in terms of the odds, Penn State at eight to one, Wisconsin nine to one, Iowa fourteen to one, Michigan eighteen to one, and then it goes on and on and on. Uh, to, in your opinion, I mean, is there any team that is going to give them a run for their money this upcoming season, or is it without a doubt going to be the Buckeyes taking the trophy?
4: Well, you got Oregon early on, at least in non-conference play, which is going to be the big key here. Uh, They catch a break. They don't have to play Wisconsin. I don't believe they get Iowa. I can't remember off the top of my head, Uh, but you look at their schedule right on through and it's just not that bad. I mean, they get Penn state at home. They get Michigan at the end on the road, but that's Michigan. And look, you know, it's Ohio state. They're going to beat Rutgers. They're going to beat Indiana. You know, they're going to roll through that schedule. Uh, and then if you're looking at who's going to win the, the the Big Ten title, well, who's going to get there? You know, if, if you're assuming it's Ohio State, excuse me, it's probably not going to be, you know, Penn State or Michigan. Who's getting there from the other side? If Wisconsin can get its running game going, everything else is in place. They have the best. Quarterback in the league coming into the season at least. I mean, Graham Mertz is the you know, most experienced slash talented guy of the bunch. Um, we'll see what happens with T.J. Stroud at Ohio State. but uh, And then the offensive line is going to be fine. And the defense is going to be a brick wall. Uh, they get all the receivers back that were missing last year. Um, but you know, can they get their running game going? They don't have a Jonathan Taylor. Jalen Berger all right. But he's not Melvin Gordon. So if they, if they can go back to being Wisconsin just a little bit, they got the quarterback, they got the defense, and they got everything else in place to at least get to Indianapolis. And then look, they, they've, they've been in the fight the, other, the last couple times against Ohio State when they've been in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, maybe it's this time around.
3: All right, Pete, we got about 90 seconds or so left before we let you go. Odds to win the Heisman Trophy. Is there anybody that you've circled out as at this point? I mean, Rattler is a short shot right now at plus 515. He has a great setup down in Oklahoma. We've seen Lincoln Riley produce some Heisman winners in the past. You think he can do it again, or are you looking a little bit further down the list?
4: Uh, He's going to be certainly up there. Part of the whole Heisman thing is do you have that signature game against a high-profile team? There just aren't a lot of those games. Uh, for Oklahoma, even with Iowa state on the schedule in the big, big 12 state. I'm always uh, really boring. I always say, take the field. If you've got a long shot idea, go for it. We thought Devontae Smith was going to win it last year at the time. We thought Joe Burrow was going to win it two years ago, early on. It's always somebody who's kind of out of the blue. I'm going to throw out uh, DJ. We the is probably that guy only because he's going to get that high profile game uh, early on against Georgia. And if he rocks, Uh, The Bulldogs, and he's he's great. He's going to rip through the rest of the uh, ACC without a problem. And my really big uh, auto left field X Factor, Tyler Shug from uh, Texas Tech. The Oregon transfer, no, he's not going to win the Heisman. But he's got number one overall draft pick tools if it all works in the matt wells offense that might rise up but again that's like the gajillion to one if you're really bored and want to get rid of your money throw uh, but really for me it's DJ Lele who's probably the guy I'd be looking at first
3: yeah and you Lele is six to one Shug is about 100 to one but you're right I mean who would have thought we get Devontae Smith winning the award and even Joe Burrow obviously a little bit more favorable in his position as quarterback, but we do get surprises from time to time. So uh, taking the field or even a longer shot, always an interesting outlook, as with your other previews for the conferences. And, Pete, as always, we appreciate you taking some time. Look forward to handicapping more college football as we get closer, my friend.
4: Absolutely, anytime. You have a good one.
3: At Pete Futak on Twitter, and you can also catch all of his work at collegefootballnews.com. I'm on it every single week when it comes to previewing all the games on a weekly basis. He does fantastic write-ups for every single matchup, so be sure to follow him on Twitter and check it out, collegefootballnews.com. Remember, it's even tougher now because of all the movements with the players' transfers after the wonky season, so he'll get you prepared for the upcoming year. All well, we're going to flip it around a little bit, talk some NFL again. We previewed this a little bit on Friday with the Washington football team, but I did make an official play with the squad for this upcoming year, so let me tell you what that is next. And then after, we'll do some wide receiver props. And don't forget, baseball preview still to come with Derek Hardy. A lot of betting action coming your way on a Monday night here on Rush Hour. Stick around.
2: So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. With Lucky Land
1: slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
3: Get the most out of all odds with Bet Rivers. Daily hometown discounts on boosts on all of your favorite teams. Only at your hometown sportsbook. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Daily hometown discounts. Remember to check them all out. BetRivers.com. All righty, it is V-Cindy Sports Betting Network, and the show is Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. About to talk some NFL here on a Monday night, getting closer to the start of the season, and we were talking a lot about these win totals last week, and really to end our week of, you know, talking NFL, we previewed the NFC East, and instead of talking also about the Eagles and the Giants, we mainly focused on the top two teams, or the presumed top two teams, and the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys, and, Long story short, I really had more faith in Washington than I did Dallas specifically because, you know, how great this Washington defense is, and you're bringing in a piece to help the offense, which we know struggled last year, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick to take over at quarterback. So, kind of just focusing once again on the Washington football team. As we look at their win total, eight is the number that's listed at Bet Rivers, and some other shops, you're getting eight and a half, or you're getting offered both, but again, it's nice to get it at the 8 to have the security of the push. You're going to have to lay a little bit more for it naturally, but 141 is where the overs at, at this point, and the unders plus 116. And, you know, as we looked over it last Friday, again, the draft recap for Washington was really they invested even more so in their defense that arguably could be the best in the NFL offensively, you're bringing on Ryan Fitzpatrick to take over for this incompetent offense that still had decent pieces with Gibson in the backfield, uh, McLaurin, and and some other receivers like Sims. You can also make a decent impact when it comes down to it. So look, the pieces are there. You just need the consistent play out of quarterbacks. So let's go ahead and kind of take a look at the schedule once again. When I look at the Washington football team schedule, really just everybody's schedule in general, I always sort it out, you know, winnable games, losable games, and then toss-up games. So starting with the winnable games, week two, you're on the road against the G-Men. So that's a division game, naturally. And to me, that's a winnable game for Washington. Uh, Week 11 at Carolina. Week 13 at Las Vegas. Week 14 versus Dallas. Week 15 on the road against Philly. Then you're on the road against the Cowboys. Week 17 versus Philly. Week 18 on the road against the Giants. Now, you know, barring a few games, it's pretty much all division opponents. I understand that. But to me, this Washington team is the most overall complete squad in the NFC East. Now, I'm not completely dismissing the Cowboys because offensively, they're going to be cruising, right? So it's just a matter of if Washington's defense can outlast that offense, and then is Dallas's defense still going to be poor enough for Washington's offense to make it then? So it's kind of like which one is going to cross out more so and overpower the other. But to me, there's not that hard of a schedule for Washington, and it's because, one, you know, even if their offense doesn't take that big of a step forward, The defenses they're going up against in a lot of these games aren't that solid either. And defensively, they have the advantage in pretty much every game. Now, looking at these losable games, the ones that are going to be tougher, it's not that I'm saying they're going to lose these ones. It's just these are the ones that they're probably most prone to losing. And that'll be week three at Buffalo. Week five, you get the Saints at home. Then right after week six, you get Kansas City. Now with the news of Aaron Rodgers, Week 7 at Green Bay, that's going to be a little bit tougher. So I would put that as a losable game instead of a toss-up. And then Week 10 versus the defending champs in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are the losable games for Washington. And then the toss-ups to complete that list, really. Week 1 versus the Chargers. Week 4 at Atlanta. Who knows if the Falcons are finally going to get back to being a normal, somewhat reliable team. I know that seems far-fetched, but uh, offensively they're still going to be pretty decent. Defensively, who knows? Week 8 at Denver. I don't have as much trust in the Broncos this season, but always in the Mile High City, the old adage, you know, altitude, whatnot, could be a tougher environment. Then Week 12 versus Seattle. I honestly would not be surprised at all if they beat Seattle because we see the Seahawks lose some of these games where you know they're better than the other team. They just always make it difficult on themselves. And do we even think or know if Seattle's better than Washington at this point? Who knows? I mean, Seattle's going to have an up-and-down year in my opinion, but a lot of people, people differ on that looking over their win total. But again... Just going over this list at the end of the day, 9-8 and eight would not shock me for the Washington football team at all. That's kind of when I compiled it with the wins and losses and actually putting it attributed to each game. I have them ending up at about 9-8 uh, and eight for this upcoming season because of the advantages they have defensively, the amount of toss-up games they have, and more so even if that offense doesn't take a big stride forward they're going up against enough poor defenses to where it maybe won't matter as much in the season's past so i did officially pull the trigger on the washington football team over eight wins laid the minus 141 but like that instead of getting the eight and a half and i think they win the division plus 260 could be appetizing as well all right we'll keep up some nfl bets coming next let's look at wide receiver props here on rush hour The VEASAN Football Betting Guides are coming soon and there is no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every single team along with advanced stats and power ratings. Plus, you get best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. And each guide is only 20 bucks, and discounts are still available when you buy both. So remember, now is the perfect time to get your copy or you can sign up for VEASAN All Access and get everything we have to offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VSon.com slash subscribe. That's V-S-I-N.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to it on Rush Hour here on VSN the Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook in Plaines, Illinois. Plenty of baseball going on and to look forward to. Don't worry, Derek Cardi still to join us in about 10 minutes. Contributes to VSN with his daily MLB write-up. So we'll see what top games really make his list and are worth betting in his eyes. So stick around, Derek. Still to come here on Rush Hour, but let's kind of pick up the conversation once again on the gridiron. We went over a bet I had with the Washington football team, and that was over eight wins in the regular season at minus 141. But let's get to some of the actual players, and one of them will be on the Washington football team that we go over. But let's start on the West Coast and start with Keenan Allen, who's been a very consistent receiver in his tenure throughout the NFL and his receiving yards for the upcoming season 10, 50 and a half, so 1050 and a half rushing or receiving yards Excuse me, over under minus 112 each way for the veteran who has gone over this mark in just 3 out of 8 seasons, but if you really just lock it in into the sense of the seasons where he's played at least double digit games, he's gone over this in 3 out of 6 seasons. Now last season with Herbert, Allen only got about 14 games, but he did rack up 100 catches, 992 receiving yards, averaged about 10 yards per receptions, and racked up eight touchdowns overall, which did match his career high, which he got in his very first year in the NFL back in 2013. Now, to me, basically the way I'm handicapping this is it could be relatively a buy-low spot on Keenan Allen, and that's because, again, you know, he missed out on two games this past season. You're getting an extra added game this upcoming year for every single player and team, you know, assuming that they're going to be close to playing all of these games, and a lot of times it doesn't happen, but still just another game that you could fill in the void where you couldn't in years past so also looking at the chargers you know we talked about them a while back i mean this is a squad that invested in their offensive line in this draft with Rashawn slater brennan hymas out of nebraska as well because that was a part that certainly took a back seat and herbert really had a great campaign in his rookie season that was pretty unexpected to say the least so another year for herbert who's going to have more comfortability and also just a better connection potentially With Now we're knowing that it's going to be Herbert if you're Keenan Allen. I mean, before you had Taylor and then he had the issues. That's why Herbert got in to start the season. But now that they know, they can develop a better connection and a better chemistry. And to me, that's what I think the case is going to be. And I think this number, you're getting at a pretty solid spot at just 1,050 and a half. So I would honestly look over for Keenan Allen. Over minus 112, thinking it's a relatively by low spot for Allen, who, again, has been a consistent guy if he can stay healthy. Now you're getting a slinger once again in the mix. And Justin Herbert, look for Keenan Allen over ten fifty and a half for receiving yards this season. Now, speaking of a guy that we were talking about when I said a Washington football team player, Terry McLaurin. Let's take a gander at his prop as well. 1150 and a half is where we're seeing it. So 100 more than Keenan Allen was posted at. Over, under, minus 112 each way for McLaurin, who's looking to get into his third season with a solid quarterback. Remember, Ryan Fitzpatrick now going to be taking over duties, presumably, for the Washington football team. And despite Terry McLaurin really not seeing competent quarterback play in his short tenure with the Washington football team, in 2020, throughout 15 games, racked up 87 catches for 1,118 receiving yards, 13 yards per reception, and four touchdowns. Now, in 2019, found the end zone more, seven times to be exact, racked up 16 yards per reception, 919 receiving yards on 58 catches, only played in 14 games, so so a game less. But, look, the targets increased a big time for Terry McLaurin. And, again, now that you're getting a more sufficient quarterback, expect the same to be the case. I mean, you got to think he's primed to have a really good year with uh, Fitzpatrick <laughs> under helm, excuse me. But, Not only that, look at the division where he's going to be facing. The NFC East, who, aside from his own team, are probably going to have weak defenses. The Eagles, nothing to write home about. Same thing with the Giants. And then the Cowboys, we're still assuming, are probably going to be bottom tier. Yes, they invested in their defense to Dallas in this draft, but to assume it's going to step up right away would be a high hope. So Terry McLaurin being the number one guy with a better quarterback, I think taking a look over 11.50 and a half isn't too crazy to consider for the third-year wide receiver who's been a really solid guy thus far for Washington. So that's where I would lean with McLaurin. And again, Keenan Allen, I would look over for him 10.50 and a half. Probably have a little bit more conviction, if anything, with McLaurin, though, going over his mark at 11.50 and a half with the Washington football team. So those are two guys that I would look over in terms of receiver props. Let's take a gander at a couple guys that I think could probably trend a little bit downward in terms of their prop for receiving yards. And let's start with Allen Robinson, familiar face here in the Chicagoland area, who's been serviceable and more than that for the Chicago Bears since he's been with the squad. But 11.50 and a half, again, is the number we're seeing. However, the over is the dog at even money. In the under, you got to lay minus 124 for A-Rob. Now, he's been held under this mark. And five out of seven seasons in his career as of this point. But he was injured uh, after game one in one of the seasons. So realistically, he's been held under this mark in four out of six seasons in which he's had you no know, full playing time. With the Bears in 2018, he racked up 754 receiving yards. 2019, racked up 1147 receiving yards. And then this past season in 2020 in 16 games, had 102 receptions. 1,250 receiving yards, 12.3 yards per receptions, and six touchdowns. So overall, he's been held under this mark with the Bears in two out of three seasons. He did only miss it by four yards in year two. You could be like, well, I mean, he was playing with Mitch Trubisky, and he was playing with Mike Lennon and other guys that, you know, I mean, just nobody good as he had in his career. So then that begs a question, well, are you going to see more of Andy Dalton? Are you going to see more of Justin Fields? And even more so to that question, The Bears are bringing on some decent receivers, too. I mean, you're bringing in Demir Bird. You're bringing in Marquise Goodwin from the 49ers. You already have Cole Komet, who's a promising tight end. Jimmy Graham's still there. Jesse James, we'll see what he can do. Not that Jesse James is going to take away reps. My point being, maybe there's not going to be as many opportunities for Robinson, potentially, just because he doesn't have to be the number one guy. Darnell Mooney could be a promising guy who had a great rookie campaign. So just something to consider. Looking at Robinson would probably gravitate to the under. And before we get out of here, there's another guy, and we'll get into a little bit later in the week so I could spend some more time, but don't be afraid to look at DK Metcalf under his yardage either. 1,300 and a half, the under is shaded that direction, minus 124, but look, I mean, he barely got over it this past season. 1,303 receiving yards, and he was an absolute monster. Can he replicate these statistics on a year to year basis? On a squad, being the Seahawks, that may get a little bit worse, That's something to consider, but I'd probably gravitate a little bit to the under with DK Metcalf, as would I with Allen Robinson. All right, but coming up next, that's going to do it for our football talk here on a Monday edition of Rush Hour. Let's go to the Diamond talk some Major League Baseball with Derek Cardi. I know he's got some insight on the late slate. We'll let you know what that is next.
0: If you dare.
2: Mo Play.
3: For a hot tip to bet on, Bet Rivers Sportsbook has you covered every single day. You can go to the Bet Rivers app or betrivers.com and find the game you want to bet on by tapping tips, and you'll get instant research for the upcoming matchup. You can try it out for baseball, soccer, tennis, and a variety of other sports. To make your experience even more rewarding, remember that Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaysugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Colorado, 1-800-522-4700, Michigan, 1-800-270-7117, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, and Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Wrapping up another edition of Rush Hour right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Thank you for joining us this Monday night as we are live out of the Bet River Sportsbook just outside of Chicago in Des Plains, Illinois. And, well, in Chicago, we've got a baseball game to look forward to tonight with the Cubbies and the Reds to help us handicap this one. Derek Carty, who you can follow on Twitter, at Derek Carty, also does great contributions not only to VEASAN, but to Rotor Grinders, ESPN, and much more. He's joining us right now. So, Derek, we appreciate your time. Let's get right into this Cubs-Reds game because on paper, it looks like the Reds would maybe have the slight advantage considering Wade Miley has been really consistent on the bump. Kyle Hendricks, as you noted in with your uh, newsletter and your write-up today, I mean, he's been one of the luckier pitchers in Major League Baseball as of this point. However, we've seen this line move in favor of the Cubs, minus 125 up to minus 139. Are you of the same sentiment that despite Hendricks being lucky that the Cubs still have the advantage, or would you look toward the dog potentially tonight?
6: Yeah, I'd be definitely looking at the dog here. I do think the Cubs uh, ought to be the favorite, but not by as much as the line is giving them. Um, I'm seeing Cincinnati plus 122, and I think uh, that's definitely the stronger side to bet on here. You know, Hendricks has... And like you said he's kind of gotten a little bit lucky like yeah he does some some cool things with his bad and whatnot but um i, I think that the reds are the better side here the, the cubs line it's a little watered down um i like the value on the reds
3: yeah about plus 120 is what we're seeing with cincinnati at Bet rivers to look to the side of the dog and you're right i kind of tend to gravitate more toward that direction as well i think just because of the price and because we could maybe trust a little bit more so on the mound i think cincinnati would be the play there at about plus 120 uh, any thoughts with this total? We really haven't seen too much movement. Open eight and a half, and that's where it's been steady for the most part today. You know, I feel like the general consensus with these two pitchers would maybe be to look under. Do you have any differing thoughts, or is that how you would approach it as well?
6: Uh, if anything, I'd probably lean towards the the slight over here, but it's not it's not a it's not a strong lean one. You know, one way or the other, I think the line is is more or less fair.
3: Okay, well, let's talk about another Chicago squad then that has some exciting news. Tonight is Aloy Jimenez is going to be back in the lineup. He's going to DH tonight against Kansas City. Dallas Keuchel taking on Mike Miner. And look, Miner's gone up against the White Sox already three times this season, and the Royals have won two out of three of those games. Currently, the White Sox are a minus-122 favorite. They're going up against the lefty, which is usually favorable for the Chicago team. But, look, the Royals have been hot as of late, just swept the Tigers. They're catching plus-102. And, again, Keichel's maybe a guy that's been a little bit unreliable from time to time. What do you see happening in this matchup?
6: Yeah, this is another one where I think the underdog gives you um, the better value. You know, I would be – my projection system actually has – the Royals as a very slight favorite here, 52, 48 favorite. And the the implied odds by the money line is basically reverse that. So I would take Kansas city here. Um, Mike minor. Yeah. He's been touched up a little bit in his last couple starts. Yeah. He's faced Chicago already, Um, but he's a solid enough pitcher. And I think this line is maybe shaded a little bit because of the return of Eloy Jimenez. And yeah, Jimenez is great, but the rest of this lineup is, it has holes in it. Andrew Vaughn is hitting second. The back third: Adam Engel, Billy Hamilton, Danny Mendick, Zebby Savala. Like this is a, you know, this is a, a lineup that is very beatable, in my opinion. I like the odds on on Minor and on the uh, on the Royals.
3: Yeah. Again, plus 102, decent price. I mean, for Kansas City, who maybe this game should be a little bit more neck and neck, considering the pitching matchup and. No, Derek, you kind of rifled through this lineup with the White Sox. As we're getting closer to the trade deadline, I mean, certainly Chicago needs to make some moves with their middle relief. But what do you expect for them to do? Is that probably the way they'll approach the trade deadline? Or do you have different thoughts on what we could see out of the Southsiders?
6: Yeah, I mean, they really could use uh, a batter two also. Uh, it seemed like they were kind of in the in the thick of the the Adam Frazier hunt, but the Padres got him yesterday. So it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how they they rebound and what they what they ultimately wind up doing. All
3: right, Derek. Well, let's stick on the side of the American League. Maybe not the most interesting game on paper, but potentially a betting opportunity with Minnesota and Detroit. The Twins, Lane minus one sixty seven at home with Pineda on the bump. The Tigers, plus one forty five. Matt Manning. It's been a tough bet I me. Mean, he's 5.51 XFIP with a 5.79 ERA. High total here at 10. Anything worth betting in this matchup tonight?
6: I don't think there's a lot of value on it, but I wouldn't mind hitting that Tigers line. Like, yeah, Manning has been, has been bad. The ERA has been bad. The XFIP has been bad. All of his numbers have been bad. Um, but this is a guy who does have a little bit of pedigree in the minors. He was considerably better than this, even just this season at, at AAA. You know, he was striking out 10 batters per nine, walking under three per nine. Um, He's not like a great pitcher right now, but I don't think he's as bad as these numbers so far indicate. And I think that does offer a little bit, not a lot, a little bit of value um, on Detroit here.
3: Yeah, and you know, as we're getting kind of closer and closer to the end of the season, we're not really that close, I guess, but we're getting to the point where the trade deadline's coming around and you're getting some of the better guys shipped off and maybe team camaraderie could be all over the place or whatever may have you. Is there something to be said to that in correlation with maybe a total to where guys get a little bit lazier? You know, you're throwing out worse pitchers, and maybe at the same time guys are vying for a contract, so even more motivation. But I guess my point being, is there any kind of trend you look out for as you get closer to the end of the season in terms of a total as we're seeing a high one here at 10 with two inferior teams? Is that something that typically happens?
6: Um, I mean there's no mathematical basis for that sort of thing, but every player is different. Like some, you never know what is motivating a guy because we can't get inside their heads. Um, I'm sure it matters for some guys on the whole, it's not something I pay a lot of attention to because it's really more or less speculation. Um, I think more than anything, what we're seeing here is, is the weather, you know, as the season goes along, it gets hotter, which boosts offense. And tonight in, uh, in Minnesota, it's, I believe, the hottest game on the slate. It's over, I think, over 90 degrees there tonight. So that would be more than anything else what I would think would be driving something like this in addition to the, you know, the not so great quality of the pitching.
3: No doubt. Well, hey, Derek. Let's talk about this one too. That could be seeing some overlove. Is we have a little bit uh, about seven and a half with the Angels and Rockies. Actually, sorry, this one dipped down, but originally it was getting some overlove. Now it's come back down to seven and a half because you're getting Marquez and Otani. So naturally, the assumption would be to look under with these two guys who have had solid seasons thus far. And the Angels from minus 150 up to minus 162 against this Rockies team. With Derek. To put it bluntly, I mean, they've been brutal on the road this season. Coors Field, a little bit different conversation, but it's been tough if you've been trusting Colorado on the road despite it. Are you going to do that tonight, or do you maybe lay the chalk with the
6: Angels? I think I would go with the Rockies. Um, And and again, I'm I'm no fan of the Colorado Rockies. I think they are uh, probably the second weakest offense in baseball. But I don't think this Los Angeles Angels offense is particularly good either. You know, Otani is their best hitter without Trout, obviously. But on nights that he pitches, he gets lifted from the game as soon as he's done on the mound. And so, this is a, a lineup that is not very good around him, and and it's going to be without him for half of the game tonight. And as good as he is, like I do think that this line is kind of influenced by the you know the Otani factor. Like we love Otani; he's fun, he's great. And uh, I think the books probably realize that people want to bet on Otani. And so there, there's value on the other side of this, especially when you consider like it's two weak offenses and Marquez is every bit as good as Otani, if not better. The only reason maybe the perception is that he's not at that level is because of Coors Field. And so uh, I have no problem kind of playing into that and uh, and betting on what, what obviously feels like a pretty gross Rockies bet. <laughs>
3: No, it certainly has that kind of stink to it, but you're right, at the end of the day, the Otani factor always gets put in because you know the public's just going to want to back him regardless, and you're right, the argument could be made that Marquez has been better, more consistent on the mound, so hey, taking a look at the Rockies, maybe not too bad of a bet, plus 132 once again for Colorado, and then Derek, before we let you go, we got about a minute left, but the Astros and the Mariners tonight Luis Garcia, maybe not the best of pitchers, but he obviously hasn't been too shabby. I mean, he's staying under four with his X-VIP, but the Astros have been so dominant. They're steamed up to minus 175. Do you have to take the bolt and almost lay it with this dominant Houston team?
6: Honestly, I don't see a lot of value on either either of the sides here for the money line. Like, I think it's it's handicapped pretty well. Uh, I don't have a lot of interest in betting either one. If I was going to try to find something to bet in this game, maybe it would be the under on Luis Garcia strikeout prop. I see five and a half at plus 105 or so, depending on where you're looking. I think that's probably the most appealing bet in this game because I don't, I don't really think uh, you're you're getting plus plus expected value on either either side.
3: Okay, all right. Maybe take a look at Luis Garcia, under 5.5 with his strikeouts tonight against the Mariners. Seattle certainly having you know troubles at the plate from time to time, but that could be a good look with that plus price. And Derek, hey, we appreciate you giving us great insight all around, my friend. Keep up the great work with VEASAN. Love uh, seeing your write-ups every single day with that great info. So take care, my man, and we look forward to catching up again soon in the future. Thanks so much. At Derek Hardy on the tweets, and once again, VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Every single day he does a write-up with the hottest temperatures, coldest games, who's umpiring, and who, you know, at bat who has the highest percentage chance of having the most runs produced with team totals, and really just all the unique trends that someone like myself too lazy to look fully in-depth to. So Derek saves us all the work and does it himself. So be sure to check it out and follow the along on Twitter at Derek Carty. But all right, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of Rush Hour. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Tomorrow, we're going to be back with more baseball action. Maybe we'll talk some Olympic basketball as well. But more football previews coming your ways. We're getting closer to the season, baby. Stick around. We'll give you all the great content you need. As for now, take care from all of us here at ESON, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Zumo Play.